coming up on Thunder Pop. It is here, it is now, it is present. The 45th episode of the Thunder Pop podcast. I'm Stephen Presley. It's my pleasure to bring you back to the Thunder Pop Dome via Skype, Johnny Lightfoot. Hello. And in this episode of Thunder Pop, we're it's all Star Wars, wall to wall. We're going to talk about the directorial departures of the Han Solo film that led to Ron Howard taking over direct director duties of Han Solo, and then also now Colin Trevorrow's departure from Episode Nine, which is probably a bigger deal actually it is a bigger deal it's an episode it's the first time we've had a directorial departure from an actual episode of the star wars series and then we we had force friday just the other day and brand new release of star wars toys for episode nine and i want to talk to i couldn't think of a better person to talk to about that than johnny lightfoot about any takeaways that may have come from that that could have given him some new insight on episode nine. Um, we've only had one, really one trailer. So right after this theme song, all of that. And then man, hurricanes stop the hurricane madness already enough with the hurricanes, all of that. When we get back, Well, it's been a frustrating um, late summer, early fall, and well, if you really want to stretch that far, far, the year has been kind of crazy. We've had we had one of the craziest U.S. elections that we may have ever had in our lifetimes. For at least me and Johnny, I think we both would agree it's one of the craziest presidential elections we've ever had in our lifetime. And then, oh yeah, then you know we had. We, we elected a reality TV sh- uh, show star to be the president of the United States. That's pretty crazy. And now we've got all these natural disasters. We've had, now we're on up to our third hurricane. We've got two hurricanes going simultaneously right now. I just read before I got on that, uh, I think it's Hurricane Jose, that just um, bum-rushed Mexico in a bad way. And now um, Irma just hours away from Florida. And I, this is kind of close to my heart because uh, my cousin, I want to give her mad props. Her and uh, another uh, distant relative of mine drove down here from Illinois with a van load of supplies uh, that they gathered uh, in their local community in the state of Illinois. They spent a week collecting uh, donations. They got a storage space. Uh, and they collected, they filled up a storage space. They originally thought they were just going to drive it down in their car, but it got bigger than they could have ever imagined. And they ended up driving down here to Texas in a uh, rather large uh, moving van. 
full of supplies. And so they, I just want to give them mad props for doing that. And I helped them navigate and find their way because they were trying to figure out the best place to drop off those donations. They ended up in Rockport, Texas, because we had found out a lot of the stuff was going to Houston. And Houston needed it. But Houston was getting a lot of stuff, and then they found we found out at the last minute as they were about to head to Houston about Rockport, and they they took they took all the supplies and donations down to Rockport. Um, I added some stuff in uh, as well, and um, but it was it was just to see that and see them doing that. I, I had to give them mad props. Johnny, do you have anybody any close ones that are in uh, current currently in harm's way or were part of that? Houston, uh, South Texas hurricane. No, uh, luckily, like most of us are all central, uh, which we got that, you know, torrential downpour, but, uh, no, we, I don't, I don't really have anybody, uh, getting the, the, the big brunt force of these, uh, tropical storms and hurricanes and everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm pretty lucky on that front. Uh, business-wise, though, uh, it did definitely stall uh, some business uh, just due to we're having to pull installers from Dallas down to Houston to to help just rebuild systems and, mm-hmm. and do all kinds of stuff. So that's that's really the the only uh, deterrent I've seen from it outside of just the the, the really bad rain. Yeah, and we had that here. Now, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, in all this chaos and madness and hysteria, and um, we we will still need escapism, and in our lives, we'll need to get away from, um, you know, once you, you begin the rebuild. If you're in, if you're an unfortunate person that's in one of the areas that's being hit by one of these natural disasters, uh, if you're one of the people that's unfortunate enough to have been hit, or if you were affected because someone you know was involved um at some point after rebuilding you're going to need some escapism and or if you're under stress because of all the political stuff that's been going on in the world um north korea um south korea north korea u.s conflict um all that stuff if you're you know you're stressed out you're gonna need escapism and that's where someone like Johnny Lightfoot comes in because Johnny, and one of the reasons why Johnny's been, been, been out for a little bit, he's he started a new career and he is working for a company that installs high end entertainment systems in people's homes and businesses. Correct, Johnny? Yes. Uh, that's, that's what we do. We do, uh, we do systems. I mean, we sell everything from, you know, $160 pair of headphones to $220,000 pair of speakers. So, I mean, it's everything and, and we build, uh, we build systems, automation, innovation. That's, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Are you able to name the place or is it? Yeah, no, uh, Magnolia Audio Video. So we're, uh, we're the largest high end audio video company. Uh, in the nation, we're owned by Best Buy, and uh, we—that's what we do as system designers. We we build systems, we build homes, we work with interior decorators. Uh, you know, we do troubleshoots, we do everything. 
So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. And, and this time of year, uh, you know, with things like this going on, um, and, uh, you know, the summer movie season winding down, but leading into football season, yeah, you know, everybody has their own little hole, their little escape and, uh, they want to make it right. And that's what we do for them. It allows, you know, people now, they, you want, they want to be able, they, they love bringing it all to their house. You know, we've got all these delivery services, favor, uh, Postmates. I mean, I can get anything brought to my house, like probably within an hour, like delivered, like food wise. I mean, I can even get some beat headphones delivered to my house via Postmate. So it makes sense having that home theater, like a real home theater experience in your, in one room of your house, at least that you can create that kind of your own oasis that you could enjoy the entertainment that you like to enjoy, whether it be, you know, football games or movies. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a neat little, have that little dome that you can go and escape to. Oh yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, we, we do it on all sorts of budgets and, uh, that, that's what we're here for, whether it be, home theaters or, you know, lighting, control, uh, internet networks. We do all of that stuff. So it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Some of the things our guys can do where people ask if it's possible. And I talk to our project manager and he's like, yeah, we can do that. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Some of the things we can do. If uh, you were to get a call from a big, like big name, that celebrity, I'm sure you already have your company. I'm, I'm sure has, uh, that that like a kind of a big time you know celebrity say Mark Hamill called up okay and he wants he wants to redo a room in his house with a really high end entertainment system he says I want to be able to watch Corvette Summer like in the luxury of my home and have that movie theater experience when I watch myself in Corvette Summer what do you tell him uh, I tell him we can make it happen. I mean, uh, our our design center GM did Kawhi Leonard from the Spurs. And, Whoa, uh, that's cool. R- that's R- really C- cool. R- and he did R.C. Buford Theater. So wow, that's uh, a big one there. He, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's from San Ant- or he was in the San Antonio market. So mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, our roots planted everywhere, and uh, you know. Uh, even here, we've we've sold some stuff to, uh, gosh, which is it, uh, Dennis Quaid. Oh. The Quaid here in town. Yes, yeah. the less crazy of the Quaid brothers. Yes, and uh, so, you know, we do that, and then, you know, I mean, I've had, there have been clients who I've heard have walked in with briefcases, two briefcases full of $100 bills. No way, that, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, in the last two weeks, I've taken two cashier's checks, one in the amount of 37000 and one in, like, 23000 or something like that, uh, as, like, final payments on orders. So, yeah, we, we do everything from the most basic to the big stuff. So if somebody comes in like that with a briefcase of money, and some people like to deal in cash. I used to always deal in cash. I didn't start like doing things outside of the cash world until just a few years ago. I used to, cause I was just, I didn't like dealing with, um, carts dealing with a card or checks. I like to just know that I had all the money I needed with me. Uh, 
It was a little, it was a little uh, old school, but I did it. And now I'm, you know, I use a debit card and I just, I've, you know, I carry it around, but I know people that like to deal in cash and especially like high, high rollers that like to deal in cash. But if someone comes in with a briefcase and they've got, you know, like say like a hundred, hundred thousand dollars in, you know, in the, you know, cash and they bring that in. I mean, is there, is there a safety or a security issue there where you're like, I don't know if we can, we can intake this in the uh, store. I, I mean, we, we always have precautions where we, we have many people there monitoring the counting of the cash, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, typically we Google our clients ahead of time and, mm-hmm. and try to find out as much as possible about them. And, uh, there's only been one time in specific where, I've had a client where I can only find one thing about them and it's their name and a trust and I won't name names. Right. But that all purchases and they, uh, they had the highest sold house in the state of Arkansas in the the year 2015. Mm. And, uh, it was under a trust fund name. So yeah, (laughs) we, uh, we, we, uh, we do business, uh, just like everybody else, but it's uh, it's it's entertaining sometimes, and uh, but it's fun. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. I bet some people were getting their uh, some, some people were getting their 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 setups tricked out right before the uh, McGregor Mayweather fight too. Precursor to football season. Yeah, that, and we have a lot of folks coming in now with with all the this disaster stuff. Folks coming in. Uh, with uh, insurance checks to yeah. basically replace things that were lost. Yeah. Um, so it it doesn't matter how small. I mean, it could be media rooms from five thousand to you know one point five million. Uh, we do all of them. Yeah, it's gonna be that is part of the rebuilding. And now uh, with South Florida in in jeopardy, um, that's gonna be the next possible place to be hit uh, i was just on the phone yesterday with the nfl now not oh, not well. not not the you know not the nfl like like uh the commissioner but raul that works for nfl shops uh website um that's the uh the phone operator for him i had just ordered a dallas cowboy shirt and a dallas cowboy onesie for our newborn and then I got a disclaimer mm-hmm. that it could take a while because of the Florida, because they're based out of Florida, the warehouse, the, the NFL shops warehouse. I did not know this. They're in central Florida. So I decided to call just to kind of feel them out a little bit on, you know, how long, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I called them and I was really not, I didn't want to be an asshole because I knew they were dealing with enough as is, but I got, I got, I was actually got, it was, I didn't even think I was getting anybody on the phone, but I got somebody on the phone. I said, and his name is Raul. He was really nice. And I ended up telling him the call ended up me, be the the call ended up being more about me trying to say hey you guys get out of there if you think you need to get out of there you know evacuate um we'll get our cowboy gear at some point in time but but more importantly get get out of there when you when because when, he was like they were still working they were still because it was a big week for them it's the first you know opening week so jerseys jersey sales are through the roof but they're then they're dealing with whether they need to get out or not pretty crazy okay so moving from the chaos in the uh, in the world that we live in to chaos in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars. 
Um, first off, we just had Force Friday and talking about merchandise hitting the shelf and getting there on schedule. We had Force Friday. We had some new stuff come into stores for Star Wars last week. What uh, From what you've been able to see, Johnny, any new takeaways that we might be able to gather for Episode Nine from all of that? Um, it was actually a pretty, um, pretty lax Force Friday compared to the last one, yeah. which was to be expected because, mm-hmm. you know, the last one we were, you know, doing Force Awakens and it was, you know, the revival. It was Disney's first venture into Star Wars. This one, uh, it was more lax. I didn't even go out on midnight. Uh, I just went out that next morning. I happened to be off, and uh, I went out that morning, and I was able to get almost everything I wanted. And um, but uh, yeah, uh, Ryan Johnson was true to his word because he said he was not going to let any merchandise go out on Force Friday that could compromise spoilers wise. Wow. On. Uh, what uh, what went out on Force Friday? So there was not a whole lot that went out last Friday that uh, really led me to believe anything. the 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 biggest takeaway I had really was uh, Snoke. We got him. Yeah. Uh, most of the, the the figures and Legos and things were him in a uh, golden robe, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, but not a whole lot else. Why do you think that's uh, odd? Why do, you, why do you find that to be odd? The gold rope. Uh, I, I I had heard something that uh, it may be tying back to Rebels and Snoke. Uh, everybody's been thinking maybe Snoke is Plagueis or, or mm. something along those lines. And uh, everybody's. And now, with the gold robe and everything, people are saying it's possible Snoke isn't even from this galaxy. Like, he was coming in uh, at some point during Rebels because Thrawn in Rebels is told that he's going to need to go take his forces beyond the Outer Rims because there's a greater threat coming from beyond. So I'm kind of wondering if it's possible... Snoke was that. Interesting, yeah. And they, I mean, they they've cherry picked a lot of things from the original expanded universe, and then they've made some adjustments and alter alter alterations to it. Not altercations, but alterations to it. Uh, like some people had theory had theory had the theory that uh, Finn from Last Jedi was and Force Awakens was a combination of a couple of different characters from the, the original books and, and kind of a co- consolidation of sorts. So that's interesting. Um, already kind of the breakout character, wouldn't you agree? Like BB eight was in, in force awakens has been the, this, this Porgy, the Porgy character. Oh, the, the, the Porgs, the Porgs. Yeah. Yes. People are going nuts for the Porgs. Does that surprise um, you? I- no, because it's very similar to the way people were with Ewoks, the pe- the way people were. I remember before Episode 1 came out, Jar Jar Binks, people thought he was going to be like the greatest thing ever. And everybody was just buying everything Jar Jar Binks 
competition very, very bad. So initially, and people thought Jar Jar Binks was going to be cool. Like, they were going to like it. Yeah. yeah, they thought he was going to be, like, the new Chewbacca, but cooler. And uh, that did not end up the case. I don't think I remembered that. I didn't know that. It's been so long, I didn't realize that. Um, but that's yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I just remember a lot of people buying... Um, the Jar Jar Binks merchandise back on the Force, the Force Friday back, gosh, I was in like eighth grade. That tells my age. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I remember that. Everybody thought Darth Maul and Jar Jar Binks, like those were the two. And uh, yeah, the Porgs, I mean, I even had a friend who works down south, he draw he drove all the and well he lives down south. He drove all the way to North Austin, which isn't an easy commute nowadays on a Saturday afternoon. No. Mm -hmm. Um to go to a Petco simply because Petco has the Star Wars license. And so they have all of the, the dog toys for Star Wars. Oh, I didn't know that. It's good. And he it's wanted good to know. it's good to know. He wanted to uh, get his dog a a doggy chew toy porg, but the this all of the South Austin locations were all sold out of all of the porgs. So wow. he drove all He uh, made the commute to uh, simply to get his dog a uh, chewy toy porg. That is funny. That is very telling. Yeah, the Porgs. So the Porgs, what we know so far is the Porgs habitat, the planet that Luke Skywalker has been in, uh, in sabbatical at, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I think so. I, I'm not 100%. I know there's supposed to be some like little like witches that live on that, that planet that yeah. actually like Luke and don't like that he's there, but just kind of leave him alone. Mm -hmm. uh, the Porgs, I don't really know what their relationship is. Um, I do know that Chewie's supposed to have some sort of eventual relationship with the Porgs. You know, a lot of people have made jokes that, you know, Chewie's going to eat one or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, you know, like they, they even have like the Chewy pop vinyl for the last Jedi has Chewy holding a little porg. Yeah. And then so, one the one version of Chewbacca action figure comes with a little pork. Yeah, so it it's it's assumed that there's there's probably kinda like we got with the Ewoks with Wicket being like the one little standout Ewok that we might get the one little standout porg that actually has a name. And maybe him and Chewie become buddies or something. Is this uh, is this in, are they in danger of making the next Jar Jar Binks with the Porg? Do you think they played they they, they know better and they they made sure to? I I, I don't think uh, Ryan Johnson would make a mistake like that. Um, mm -hmm. I think Ryan Johnson's above and and smarter than that mm -hmm. and. Uh, I'll uh, get to later, like the kind of respect Disney has for Ryan Johnson, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think he would do something like that. I think he's uh, more serious. He's, I'm sure Disney probably told him, like, "Hey, we really want to push the Porgs because they're going to sell a lot of toys." Yeah. The same way they probably pushed BB-8 on J.J. Abrams, and now they're even mm -hmm. pushing this 
uh, BB-9. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, saying like, hey, we need we need a, a bad guy BB-8, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think he's he's willing to play ball, but I don't think he's uh, he's going to, you know, make him any sort of like real uh, consequential force to the actual storyline. Yeah. You, know, you you may have already pre-answered agree or dis- one of the agree or disagree questions, but yeah, I'll, I'll reset that on the agree or disagree. Star Wars is so galactic and solo charismatic. Makes me kind of asthmatic. If Anakin had studied his mathematic, maybe he wouldn't have spasmatic. The Force, of course, is wide awake, baby. And Princess Leia is the universe's hottest girl. Uh, and now, speaking of Ryan Johnson, let's get into the directors and the situations at, uh, at Disney, Star Wars, Lucasfilm with a director situation. So we just had, and by the time this podcast uh, finally goes up in a couple of days, we don't know because things are moving really fast and things are changing really quickly. So they may have actually officially announced. I looked on, I looked on search engines just right before we got on the, uh, on the podcast. As far as you know, there hasn't been an announcement uh, update on episode nine on whether they've selected someone to take over. No. uh, And I, I don't expect one to be announced until probably mid to late next month. Okay, so uh, that, that weighs longer than some people have been because some people speculated they were going to turn out turn turn out a, a announcement really fast. But you're thinking as late as October. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think they're they're going to want to get out the final full Last Jedi trailer first. Uh huh. See the reactions. You know, it's going to break a bunch of YouTube records. Absolutely. And then, and then, like, within days, if not a day, they will announce uh, who's going to direct Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would be very surprised if it's not Ryan Johnson. Yeah. That's what a lot of speculation has been. In fact, when you look at people's uh, kind of their Vegas odds, top 10 of who's going to take over Episode Nine. Uh, everybody seems to have Ryan Johnson as the um, as the first go, and then J.J. Uh, Abrams pretty t- high up top of the list because they're the the safest go tos right now that they could go to for Episode Nine, being that they've already been in that circle in that meeting room for for episodes. Yeah, yeah, and that that was the thing is Colin Trevorrow. He was he's in Kathleen Kennedy's like tight knit circle, so they're close. But you know there was something going on behind the scenes if she's willing to let somebody go mm-hmm. that she's close with because they just they don't have the same idea. Yeah, uh, and they there's, don't mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, you haven't, and they don't want to get burned like they did with Rogue One, and then especially the way they got burned with Han Solo. Mm-hmm. So they would rather nip it in the bud before filming even starts and just start fresh rather than six months into filming have to say, yeah, we had to let Colin go and we're bringing in so-and-so. They don't want that again anytime soon. Like they dealt with the Han Solo movie. Now talking about the Han Solo movie. Now that was before there was a precursor to all this. And that's probably what made this even kind of a, a bigger deal was because they had just dealt with this with the Han Solo movie, where they had the the, the two uh, the two guys. Their names slipped my mind. Uh, their collaborator. What's that? Lord and Miller. Yeah, Lord and Lord and Miller. Correct. 
and they had been collaborators yeah. on uh, the 21 Jump Street films, correct? And they came from a comedy background. A very heavy, raunchy com- comedy background into the Star Wars world. And the the accusations, and whether that's rumors or not, was people were saying on the internet that they were trying to make Han Solo kind of a little bit of a comedy. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you believe that? There were, there were rumors that... that I believe it to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go as far as like some of the rumors, which are, you know, they were trying to make Han Solo act like Jim Carrey in Ace right. Ventura. Right. Yeah. Because that would be absurd. But I do think, and then also Alden Ehrenreich going to the Lucasfilm brass and basically telling them, Hey, they're wanting me to, uh, you know, wing it a lot and Mm -hmm. go off script and it's it's not really helping my acting i think that was what finally brought it to their attention yeah that's yeah they wanted a little more a kind of improvisation on this on the yeah yeah that's exactly they they were going for the the improv environment and that's not Star Wars. No, that's not generally. And I mean, it's a comedy. A lot of comedies that do that. I mean, ad lib scenes all the time in, in comedy movies. Uh, you see uh, outtakes after some movies during the credits that they'll do that in comedies all the time. And there's some. I mean, they you if you come from that that world of your where you have a comedy pedigree, you've probably done a lot of improv on the you know on your own outside of film. And so you have yeah, that and, background. Yeah, and it's just the, the the wrong movie to try to do that because with Lawrence Kasdan writing the script, yeah, and this being one of his final scripts he's said he's ever going to do, and he basically yeah. created the Han Solo character. Um, they, wow! Essentially, they were uh, they were they're really doing him a disservice. So I believe it was actually him that eventually. Uh, felt so disrespected that they were changing his character that he was the one that went and blew the whistle on them. Yeah, and, and he, he's uh, got the clout and, to do it. And yeah, he's—I mean—he's been there for forty years. Yeah. So, uh, if anybody could say, "I don't want these guys messing up this character that I helped create," uh, it's Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, I mean, after George Lucas. From where, if you were going to do a Mount Rushmore for Star Wars, of the creators and people that worked in creating Star Wars behind the scenes, you'd have George Lucas on there, obviously first thing. But then after that, Lawrence Kasdan is getting a, a getting a getting a, going to be on that Mount Rushmore. Oh yeah, I mean Lawrence Kasdan, uh, George Lucas, Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, I would put John Williams up there. Yeah, for the mm-hmm. score, which even though he's eighty-five years old, has apparently. Even though he has not signed to do episode nine, mm-hmm. he is already said he's going to do Harrison Ford's final Indiana Jones, which wow. is actually not not going to be released until the year after episode nine. Yeah. So that would lead me to believe he would at least finish up this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if because, he's if he's doing Indiana Jones, which uh, will be the fifth Indiana Jones, I believe, after which will come after Episode Nine. If he's going to go that go that far uh, in working, then it would seem like he's going to go ahead and stay around for Nine too, and finish that out. 
Yeah, because Indiana Jones isn't slated until 2020, and Episode Nine's 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe uh, that would be a good send off for him for those to, if those two films are good, for those to be his final two films scoring. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really great send off for him into retirement. It's better than a gold watch for a retirement yeah. party. For a retirement yeah. party. <laughs> Definitely. And I'm sure he'll get a gold watch too from somebody. That's great. That's really cool. So yeah, so it's interesting there what happened with the Han Solo movie. That's a real, you know, I have to have, and I'll have in a weird way, I have some respect that they were trying to do something different from like a creative artistic standpoint that they were that ballsy to try to say, okay, we're going to do some improv. I mean, it might've been a terrible, I mean, I think it was probably a terrible idea. Obviously it was a terrible idea in losing, losing the gig, but I do have kind of a little respect to at the same time that they were trying to do something out of the box, but I guess it was just the wrong place at the wrong time to try to get, you know, experimental like that and doing something that, that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And from, from what I had heard, um, from different sources, uh, the problem was not that Lucasfilm, was 100% against it. It's that they were 100% against playing ball and doing compromise. Uh, whereas with Rogue One, Gareth Edwards, when Lucasfilm came to them and said, look, we're getting too dark. We need to change some things up. He was like, okay, yeah, 100%, whatever we needed to do. He, like he played ball. Mm-hmm. Lord and Miller, when they came to him and said, hey, we're getting a little too slapstick. We're lit- we're getting a little too off the script. Yeah. We need, to, we need to rein it in a little bit. They were like, no, this is the way we do things. And so Lucasfilm was like, look, you don't want to compromise, then we have no choice. Yeah. They have to get, I mean, you can do a lot in the editing room to make the movie work to a certain degree, the way you want it to work. But I've always, one of the things I always hear from directors that I've been able to, to have any kind of dialogue with that uh, they always say it's better to get the, the footage that you need just to, you know, you're a lot better off with having the footage you need than to try to manipulate it in the editing room and, yeah. and, and get, I mean, you, you want to be able to do both. You want to be able to have all the footage that you need and then you want to be able to go ahead and clean it up in the editing room the way you want to clean it up. So it, it's kind of like it, you're better off. I mean, you, it's a lot of it's a lot more work when it's all said and done. It's like doing Photoshop on you know if 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 you have a Ferengi and you need to make a Ferengi from Star Trek look like a supermodel, you know that's going to be a lot more work to make it look like a supermodel. You're better off with just starting off with a supermodel and photographing the supermodel and then just making the supermodel look better. That's a pretty far end analogy and I apology to Star Wars fans for using a Star Trek reference to try to make an example of something from Star Wars. But yeah, so that's probably where it was. It probably was just getting too far gone and they couldn't they couldn't come to it. Do you think the way they pick directors in the future is going to be changed from what has happened here? Cuz they're I mean, really Disney is still in their infancy as as the um the overseer of Star Wars if you think about it. They've been with Star Wars for less than five years now, right? Um, I believe they picked it up in 2012 or 2013, so yeah. 
Yeah, so it's still kind of its infancy. They're probably still going through some growing pains. I mean, they've had a lot of success so far. They had two movies that uh, did really well at the. I mean, they did amazing numbers at the box office, and for the most part, they got they got uh, good critical acclaim, um, and they did nothing to like destroy or damage the Star Wars legacy. They've kind of kept things going pretty pretty good so far, but. Uh, there's still there's still some chance for them to make some errors too. Do you think this is going to change the way they pick directors? I think so. I mean, especially with them uh, choosing somebody like Ron Howard to take over Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they they went with a safe choice. Absolutely. Uh, you know, friend of the family. Basically, mm-hmm. Ron Howard has worked. You know, he worked with George Lucas. Uh, back in the day, and um, he's kind of that steady hand. Yeah. So, I mean, it it would probably lead me to believe they're less likely to uh, take a chance on like a young up and comer, like they they initially did with Josh mm-hmm. Trank, and then let him go, and then the Gareth Edwards almost failed, but Gareth Edwards obviously played ball, mm-hmm. and then. Lord and Miller, these two young up and comers, you know, just didn't want to didn't want to work within the system. And so I think they're they're really going to want to keep it very uh, close to the vest. Mm-hmm. And I have respect for for Kathleen Kennedy and Disney having the balls to at least try it out with like some, you know, newbies to see how oh, yeah. some young, um, youthful energy and inspired ideas could affect a Star Wars movie. I mean, it, it was pretty daring. I mean, it's a shame it didn't. It's a shame it didn't work because if it had worked, it would have been really cool uh, if they had been able to figure out the, the synergy to make it all work together. But uh, I hope it doesn't end that happening forever. I hope they they find maybe they can do a a, a t- maybe a mini series or a TV show and try that try that on a, on a smaller scale. Um, you know, using a newbie director. Yeah, I mean, definitely because uh, it would it would be a shame because you know some other names I've heard thrown around for nine is like Steven Spielberg and mm-hmm. John Favreau, and these are all names that they're already in the family. Like, yeah, very and steady. And, and, yeah, and and George Lucas are best buddies and. John Favreau, you know, I mean, granted, right now he's making The Lion King, but, you know, he's already in the Disney family. So, you know, those would be safe choices. But, uh, you know, do we want safe? I mean, because as as much as I love Force Awakens, the more times I watch it and the more times I think about it, the more I realize it is one of the safest movies that you could have put out as an episode seven because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you 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 basically you you kept everything the way it's always been and you had somebody in your wheelhouse who's not going to bend the spoke or mess anything up. So, uh, I mean, that's that's the question: is have Lord and people like Lord Miller and. Uh, Colin Trevorrow, have they kind of messed it up for young filmmakers yeah. who grew up Star Wars fans? 
that our filmmakers that could make fantastic Star Wars films not be able to even get a chance. Yeah, that's this bad. That's the bad part of all this that I'm afraid of happening is that they're going to at least for the next like three or four films they're going to go with really safe choices just to kind of settle the waters a little settle settle everything down a little bit for a while and and yeah because that that's everything i heard about when ron howard came in is he was basically that cool calming fatherly figure Mm -hmm. who just came in to put everybody at ease who was stressed out Mm -hmm. and just say hey it's going to be okay we're going to do it this way and it's going to be okay and we're going to do it this way. And it was just very by the books, just the same way it's always been done. It does make sense, though, if you're going to bring someone in that late in the game, then it makes sense, though, at that point in time to do that, to bring someone in that's kind of the, oh, dad's going to come and save us. Oh, yeah. Especially if your lead actor, you know, Alden Ehrenreich is one of the ones stressing out saying that these directors are messing me up because Mm -hmm. they keep wanting me to improv. Yeah. Bring bring in this, this calming influence that has been doing it for decades, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now Harrison Ford at, he ad libbed some when he was doing, when he was playing Han Solo, correct? Oh yeah. I mean, he had to with George's direction. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ir- Irvin, Irvin Kirshner did, uh, during Empire, he did uh, promote ad-libbing, but he wasn't one to make you ad-lib like mm-hmm. Lord and Miller were doing. Mm-hmm. He didn't purposefully do takes where he said, just wing it. Yeah. He did. He was like, whatever is you're comfortable with, if you're comfortable doing a little ad-lib, I'm not going to discourage it, but if you're comfortable just staying by the script, then he, he kind of just wanted the actor to be comfortable more than anything else. Right. Yeah. And I mean, uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's one of the things where, you know, if they did bring in a director like a Steven Spielberg or a Christopher Nolan or mm-hmm. John Favreau, you know, maybe cause I, I have a feeling they, they really don't want, episode nine to end up the way return of the Jedi did because as many people that there are that feel like return of the Jedi is their favorite film. Mm -hmm. Richard Marquand was not the first choice to direct that film. It was actually Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg was going to direct Mm -hmm. return of the Jedi, but then due to the director's guild strike, he could not direct it because he was a member of the guild. Uh, so it could be one of those things where Steven Spielberg, you know, gets to fulfill, you know, something 35 years in the making where he was just, he was meant to direct a Star Wars film for his good friend, George Lucas. You know, that'd be cool. That would be kind of ironic if it all ended up that way. Um, but, I mean, if they couldn't go with um, probably Ryan Johnson right now would be my first choice. Would you? Would he, would he be kind of on top of your list? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, based on his prior directorial uh, product as well as basically since they started shooting mm-hmm. The Last Jedi last January, yeah. uh, Disney has had nothing but good things to say 
about the production yeah. of Last Jedi. Yeah. everybody they've they've been very happy with everything he's done all of the actors yeah. uh on their their twitters and instagrams have said how much they love ryan johnson mm-hmm. um so i mean i would assume he's probably their first choice but if they have to fall back and ryan johnson says you know what i i was only in this for one then you could fall back on somebody like a Steven Spielberg. Yeah, that would be my second choice for for sure. And wow, that would be a great consolation prize if you couldn't get Ryan Johnson. Uh, and it would definitely it would quiet the unsettled waters down of the fans on the web. I mean, there'd be some people that would start calling, saying this is going to be kind of too safe if that happens. But... I don't know. I I think it could be pretty cool to see Spielberg finally get a chance, a shot at a, and I'm excited to see what Ron Howard pieces together with Han Solo. I mean, I know Ron Howard is very capable of, I mean, he's not going to fuck up a movie. No. And I mean, to be honest, neither Ron Howard nor Steven Spielberg have had great movies in very recent years. No, it's, it's true. They, but, yeah. But, Part of, a part of me kind of wonders is that due to their talent wearing down due to age or is it just due to lack of passion for the project? Yeah. So I feel like if you get either of those guys on a project they actually have some sort of passion about, mm-hmm. which both of them are obviously good friends of George's. Yeah. They love Star Wars. I feel like they would not want to neither Ron Howard nor Steven Spielberg would want to go down in history as somebody who made a bad Star Wars film. No, they would not want that to be an asterisk next to their their uh, name for sure. You know, they, uh, and then now Spielberg's got, you know, everybody's really excited about the trailer for Ready Player One. And that could be a good, like, telltale, a gauge of where, what Spielberg, where Sp- Spielberg is now when that finally comes out. If he if he well, yeah. puts and, that together I mean, right, and I mean some of the, the the some of the best scenes in Episode Three were actually directed by Steven Spielberg. Very true. Uh, Very true. In in Revenge of the Sith, some mm-hmm. of the the climactic scenes with Obi Wan and Anakin, Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg actually came on and and did the direction for those. So 
you know, that along with, you know, a 30, 40 year friendship with Lucas not wanting to mess up his, one of his best friend's creations, I, I, I would think that would definitely be motivation to, uh, put your best effort as opposed to, you know, something like Bridge of, Sp- Bridge of Spies or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, um, one of my friends, Kirk, uh, his dad who passed away, uh, Kirk's been on the show. When his dad passed away, his dad was, um, a teacher over at the university of Texas. He taught acting and he taught film and he said he was, old, he was old school. He was from the old school of cinema, but he'd go to these movies with Kirk, like these modern day, big budget blockbuster movies. And he always called the movies that were like big budget blockbuster type movies. He said they Spielberged it. They Spielberg that movie. That was his term for any movie that got overdone in, in, in effects, special effects and visual. He would like, they Spielberg that movie. Was this old guy was like waving his fingers saying, they Spielberged it. All right. We, <laughs> come, we come back. We're going to Spielberg this podcast. Now, actually, we're going to do agree or disagree with Johnny Lightfoot making his return to the Thunderpop Dome via Skype. We Spielberg that. We had the best pilot in the resistance on board. Comfortable? Not really. No one has been able to get out of you. What you did with the map. You might want to rethink your technique. fifth episode of the Thunderpop podcast where it was all star wars wall-to-wall talk with the star wars guy himself johnny lightfoot can't think of anybody else better and if you need to your your home entertainment system you need to get it tricked out or if you need to get it upgraded or updated johnny lightfoot's your guy magnolia and they're out of the best buy location in north austin research boulevard right and uh, that's pretty much where they can find you, the Magnolia Store, correct? That's where I am almost every day. <laughs> yeah, I got to check out the store finally. Johnny wasn't there. One, the time I, I took a tour of the store, I checked it out, and it was quite impressive. It was, it was, a, it was a fun uh, fun store to take a, take a tour of. All right, agree or disagree for you, Johnny Lightfoot. So this is kind of going back. It's touching on one of the things we just talked about earlier in the episode uh, with the recent departures, of course, of Colin Trevorrow from Star Wars 9 and the other departures from uh, not just Star Wars. We had um, the change in directors for Justice League. Of course, that happened due to uh, Zack Snyder having a family uh, tragedy 
that he left the movie yeah. officially. But then uh, there was a director that took over the the, uh, the director from uh, from the Avengers that actually came over to Joss Whedon, yeah, yeah, Joss Whedon that came over to to finish the Justice League film, and now with Han Solo, and they've had uh, the reshoots uh, with Han Solo with Ron Howard doing that. So we've seen all these director changes in big, high profile movies here recently, and uh, so I don't know, you know, I'm just wondering, do you think? we're seeing just the beginning of the new normal in Hollywood. I mean, are, are these properties that, that carry such a, a heavy weight on their shoulders? Could we be seeing much more like relief pitching in the world of directors uh, where we might see more than one director finishing a film in the future? Is that, is that going to become the new normal? Do you agree or disagree with that? Um, I disagree. Um, I don't know if that's my head or my heart talking. Um, I really hope that does not become the new norm Mm -hmm. because um, it is definitely apparent when somebody else is finishing a project that somebody else dreamed up and started. And uh, I I would hope that uh, this does not become the new norm because uh, I enjoy getting to see somebody's vision and say, okay, yes, that is so-and-so's vision, Christian Nolan, Ridley Scott, Steven Spielberg, whoever it is, uh, I, I enjoy knowing that something is, that it belongs to somebody. Mm-hmm. I guess what I was what I was aiming at there with that rather convoluted question was, basically, are they going to start having shadow directors for these big budget movies? You know, like the director that's that's on the credits, and then a shadow director that's there to clean things up if they're not star Wars enough or if they're not. Um, I mean, you, you're always going to have shadow writers mm-hmm. and you're always going to have second unit directors. Yeah. But, uh, I don't think we're going to get to a time because directors are very, uh, I guess you could say they're, ver- they're not humble at all. No, and they're very, they're very possessive, and I can't see a time where it becomes normal for the majority of directors being okay with letting somebody in the background basically dictate certain things in quote unquote their movie. Yeah. So, just based on the mentality of of any director I've ever spoken with or been in a Q and A with, I don't think that would ever. No matter how powerful the uh, the brass and big budget Hollywood is, I don't think directors would ever bend so far as to let that become a normal thing. Mm-hmm. Did that you know that indie movie as a, as a kind of an offshoot of that question? That indie movie that Colin Trevorrow had uh, just released that got panned by Book the of, yeah Book of Henry. Did that? Do you think that was, was what killed this whole thing for him, Star Wars? Uh it might have been part of it, but I, I don't think it. I don't think so. Um, people are going to use that as as a as a crutch for why he part of the reason why he got let go. Yeah. But I think I think it was just a, um, and I think a lot of it might have had to do with Carrie Fisher dying. Yeah, I thought that. That had to put a uh, I, real wrench in this whole thing. I think he had a vision, and I think she might have had a, a 
a pretty large part in that vision. Yeah. And when he basically had to rework it, I don't think what he was reworking fit the minds of the studio. Yeah, because I could see it's a situation where the director has to come in with their pitch before they get, you know, in the writer, they have to come in with their pitch. And this is like, this is what we're thinking about. We know what already, yeah, they I, get, you know, this is what we want to do. Yeah. Three, three, four years ago, whenever he did his initial pitch to Disney, I'm sure it was fantastic. And that's why they hired him. Yeah. But due to circumstances, Disney had to change some things. And I don't think Colin Trevorrow was again, to use the phrase playing ball. He was not, changing up what he was doing yeah yeah it's that's gonna be the you know the thing there because they've they've said one of the things they were set on was that episode eight was going to be the last appearance of carrie fisher in a star wars film and that that she finished filming it they were going to have her for all of eight as much as they wanted her for eight and then nine was going to be the one that that they had to make a decision whether they were going to do um, some kind of CGI stuff to try to keep her in the story or whether they were going to use a stand-in actor, um, recast it all together or write her out. And it sounds like, I, I don't think they necessarily have probably written her out, but I don't think she's going to be in it. I think she's going to be there in spirit is what it sounds like. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's what they're they're trying to go they'll, for. They'll, they'll probably mention her, but, you know, that's it. But they have to come up with a. It's a, it may have been a really, and we'll probably know more after we in December. Like when we see eight, we might know how much of a clusterfuck this really was for them. Like trying to figure out how they were going to take her into nine, without her being around. You know, I, I mean, I've always heard that it was episode seven was Han Solo's film, and then eight was Luke Skywalker, and then nine was supposed to be Princess Leia. Correct. That was my thought process. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's tough, but I, I think that's that that was probably part of the deciding factor was I just don't think when when shit hit the fan and they needed to change stuff up, he wasn't changing it up in the same uh, realm of what they wanted it changed up to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny. I mean, they almost probably. I mean, the characters they really could not. You know, I hate to. I'm not. You know, Carrie Fisher's a big loss, but it's a character you would think that you could work around not having them. I mean, it's not the easiest character to work around not having because of her relationship being the mother of uh, the pr- the principal antagonist. That's the big thing. But, I mean, I think it would have been a bigger loss if we, they didn't have Luke Skywalker to work with. Yeah, because I, my initial thing would have been to, okay, let's refocus more time on Luke. Yeah. And um, we can, like, if we need to, we can just kind of slowly put her out to the pasture and she's on a spaceship somewhere in the Outer Rim or whatever. Yeah. If, and she's going to go live out her days, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, she was on this spaceship in this giant battle and unfortunately her ship blew up. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, uh, however you want to give Prince Leia her, her graceful send-off. Um, and I just, I, I think 
might have been part of Colin Trevorrow's problem was he just wasn't reworking the story with what Disney wanted to do with that character, among other things. You know what I think they're going to do? I mean, I haven't seen eight, so I have no idea what's going to go on in eight. But I have my ideas, like everyone else, like what they what I think is going to happen in eight. But if it happens, what I the way I think eight's going to play out, and it's going to be very much the Empire Strikes Back. It's the middle chapter, so it's going to be chaos. Like chaos is going to ensue. I mean, and by the time that movie's over, things are going to be pretty fucked up. I mean, all around. So. By the time they get to nine, it's going to be about trying to, you know, save the, save the galaxy, you know, and trying to tie things up. So I think the way you do it is you have. So what made Anakin Skywalker become very angry and become more dark and really turn to the dark side fully was his anger with his loss of his of his, you know, his wife or his, you know, his his lover. And then and the feeling that he may have had something to do with that. And so I think that maybe kind of using that sort of um, like Snoke, if Snoke is trying, you know, if, if Kylo Ren, Ben Solo is conflicted and kind of in that even a little bit tiptoeing in that gray area, maybe they would use the idea that maybe he tried to make him think he killed his mom. That, that too. Um, because he, he never, uh, he never even speaks of his mom in Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but when he speaks of his father, he never refers to him as father. He only refers to him as Han Solo, uh, Han Solo. Mm-hmm. even when he speaks to Ray about him and he says, you know, you're, you're wishing, you know, Han Solo was here. He can't help you now. Uh, he's like a father to you. Believe me, you would be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be the, that could be the Trump card there. I mean, I don't know cause I haven't seen eight. So I don't know. So, where they... I mean, it, it, yeah, it could be that Kylo Ren is a mama's boy and he just really hated his dad. Yeah. And if that's the case, if that's his button that could make him turn back to the light side of the force is his, him being a mama's boy. And using his mom as a way to try to turn him back to the light side. And then if, if his mom gets killed somehow in that crossfire, and then maybe that's what would turn him, or maybe that's what would turn him back to the light side, if that's where they want to go with it. Maybe that the Snoke kills, I mean, Snoke it, kills her. It is possible. I mean, uh, I mean, even Mark Hamill spoke out in an interview that he felt like Kylo Ren was the chosen one. Yeah, and they say that, that what's going to happen in 8 is not what people are thinking is going to happen in 8. It's going to surprise people. I mean, you, that's another thing you can speculate on all day, but one of the speculations would be that Kylo Ren would come back to the uh, the good side of the of the Force. That would be something nobody was expecting. So that, that would be you know interesting if they did they go that route. If they wanted to go in a different direction than they went with the, um, the previous trilogy, that would be, you know, that would be one route to go. Yeah. Back into the Star Wars world. And uh, here it is. George Lucas used to admit, and we, we kind of hit on this already, too. You've, you pre-answered these questions today. So George Lucas, he used to admittedly add characters into the films that he knew would sell, you know, sell toys. Like we were talking about the Ewoks and, uh, you know, that, that we had, you know, some other examples. C-3PO and R2-D2, even, even in the, the first film, 
could be you could definitely directly say hey this is kind of to appeal to a younger audience to the kids so now that George Lucas is no longer a part of that and this is something he received a lot of criticism from too that people, some Star Wars fans didn't like this part of Star Wars that they it sometimes got too kiddy in some areas so now that Star Wars films have a rotation of writers and directors handling the creating would you agree that Disney and I think you may have answered this question that Disney puts notes on every project to include kids things for merchandising purposes to the writing teams for these films? 100% yes. It seems like it, right? When you've got BB-8, you've got the Porgies, it seems like that that's that's sort of a, and you were talking about the now the arch nemesis uh the uh, dark, yeah, the BB-9. The BB-9, yeah. yeah. So it seems it seems absolutely like like it would that's exactly what they're doing. Um Cuz yeah. Yeah, even at the the Best Buy, I, and granted, I feel trapped to it, but I mm-hmm. I actually bought the little Spiro R two D two droid. Yeah, that you can control. But they made they have the BB eight little droid that yeah. you can control with your phone. But they also made a BB nine, and a buddy of mine came up and he was like, "I kind of wonder, did they just make that just so they could have another one where like certain people would feel like they had to buy both?" Because they wanted the evil BB-8. And so I was like, yeah, I feel like Disney kind of probably told him, yeah, we BB-8 was a huge success with Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So we need something else that's basically the same, but just a, just enough different that we can sell more things. And even if you only have 30 seconds of screen time, we need need this in the movie. It's it's kind of George Lucas kind of wrote that blueprint for him of how to do. He that. did, yeah. I mean, there there are documentaries where he was one of the first per people where you know when he did the original Star Wars and he was having to sign away all these rights. He specifically said, "Can I keep the right to merchandise?" And this was before movies merchandised their their stuff in yeah. toys and T shirts and everything. And they were like, well, yeah, sure, you can keep that. We don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, we've never done that. And so George went out and brought in Kenner for toys, did T-shirts, all this stuff, and made millions of dollars doing it because nobody else before him merchandised movie characters. I, I still think, and I don't know if he, I mean, we don't know the real exact details of the deal he made with Disney. We've heard, you know, in paper was how much he got. But I, I thought it was a mistake that if he didn't do this, that he should have had kind of a Shark Tank deal where he got, he still got like at least a few cents for everything that sold from the, for the, like from now on. Like after he sold to Disney, I think he still should have put that in the, in the, in the deal. Well, I know even in the the original deal before he sold to Disney, Carrie Fisher in an interview once said, "Yeah, it was always really cool to see myself on a doll, but I knew every time somebody bought that doll, it, or if I if I bought a doll, I, I'm basically paying George a couple bucks." Yeah, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly true. It's funny, but uh, leave it to Carrie Fisher to 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 hit that right on the nose. Okay, number three, we're going to finally get to do something non-Star Wars. And don't worry, it's not about TGIF 90 sitcoms, the third question, agree or disagree. I'm going to give you a break from that. The third one is related still to the Disney world, though, Marvel this time. Now, Chris Hemsworth 
was recently photographed and videoed at his home playing superheroes with his kids. Now, his kids are wearing the Marvel capes. They're representing different Marvel characters. I think one of them was in a Captain America uh, uh, costume, and the other one was in a, uh, I don't know if I remember, it was a a Spider-Man costume. Well, Chris Hemsworth is in a Superman cape. He's running down the hallway playing with his kids. While his kids are wearing Marvel, he's wearing Superman. Okay? So, earlier in the summer, Wonder Woman comes out. Chris Hemsworth was very um, complimentary to the Wonder Woman film. And rightfully so. I was very pleased with Wonder Woman. Did you did you enjoy the Wonder Woman film, uh, Johnny? Oh, yeah. Definitely. That was a great uh, kind of a, a turn for DC, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely, and uh, it gives them some fresh legs. Hopefully, Justice League does well, because Wonder Woman kind of really uh, brought them up after Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad. It gave them the lift they needed just in the right, perfect time, for sure. And uh, you really just didn't want to jack up the Wonder Woman film. It meant, it meant too much for too many people. Yeah. And they, but they got they they got it right. They got the right. They put the right people in place, and they got it right. So Chris Hemsworth, very complimentary to the Wonder Woman film. Of course, he had, when he I think someone had asked him who would win in a, a battle between Thor and Wonder Woman, and he he said Wonder Woman, and, and of course Gal Gadot agreed with him and said Wonder Woman as well. But here's the thing. So now, possibly Chris Chris Hemsworth, a closet DC fan, maybe not even a closet DC fan. He's wearing a Superman cape while he's playing with his kids. So here's my question for you. I start the question now. I'll finish it next year. No, the question for you is, and this agree or disagree, is Chris Hemsworth, is he going to be the first major actor in the Marvel Universe that's going to defect and do DC movies in the future? Agree or disagree? After his contractual duties are over with Marvel and all... Uh, compete clauses have been waived. Will he someday end up in the DC universe? Would you agree or disagree with that? You know what? I never thought of that, but uh, out of all of the major ones, uh, I could actually agree with that. Um, just because I feel like him, Chris Hemsworth, and, or so him, Robert Downey Jr., yeah. and then Chris Evans. Are like the big three, yeah. Whose con, con- their their three contracts are coming up, yeah. Here in the next couple of years, and uh, I I I don't see. I feel like Chris Evans still wants to continue, so I feel like he might resign. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like Robert Downey Jr. is probably done with superhero movies. Yeah. So if anybody's going to do it, I could see him being the first. That would defect and maybe go on to do something else. And I mean, and if all those three, I mean, you think Chris Hemsworth, he's the the essence of a superhero presence. That is a there's a guy you see with Robert Downey Jr. getting older. You know, he's getting up there. He's probably you know his his years of being superheroes in movies, probably not very many more years of that. As far as a film career, yeah, many more years of Robert Downey Jr. in, in films playing. Other types of characters, I'm sure we'll see that, but because he had an acting career way before Avengers, and will have an acting career way after Avengers, I believe. 
But mm-hmm. of all those guys, you know, Chris Hemsworth is a guy you could say, well, he's a guy, there's a guy that probably could be playing kind of those types of roles for another, you know, 15, 20 years if he wanted to. Yeah, I mean, he, he got, I mean, his big motion, big blockbuster start was his role as Kirk's dad in the first Star Trek. Yeah, which supposedly he's going to get another turn at. The, 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 the story, a rumor has been that he's going to come back for the next Star Trek and get a bigger role playing Kirk's dad in some kind of a flash time travel sort of thing. So when we come back, one more segment. Yeah, you know it. You guessed it. You feared it. You wished it wouldn't happen. Thoughts and advice for that ass when we come back. Thunderpop, in association with D's Nuts Productions, got him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Thoughts and Advice for that ass hole. Today on Thoughts and Advice, on this mid-September, early-ish September day, I want to talk about hurricanes and what they mean and what they don't mean. And I'm going to stop talking... like Mr. Rogers, and get down to business. Okay, here's the deal. Today on this Thoughts and Advice, we talk about these hurricanes. There has been a lot of hurricanes lately, and it's pretty chaotic. It's interesting. It's thought-provoking. It's scary. It's all those things. I mean, it's everything. It's everything. But I'll tell you this. This here... When people start trying to make it about an agenda, about something that it's not, making it a conspiracy, when we're really talking about natural disasters here, we're talking about natural disasters. But look, look here, one end of the spectrum, you've got Kirk Cameron. How should we look at two giant hurricanes coming back to back like this? Should we just, do, do we write them off as coincidence? Do we write it off as a, a statistical anomaly? Wow. Uh, who would have Who would have thought? Is it, is it just Mother Nature in a bad mood? I don't know how you think about it, but I think it could be something much more than all of that. Uh, I'm going to look in, here in, in, uh, in God's Word and read to you from Job. In Job 37, uh, God says through Job... Okay, anyway, Kirk Cameron goes on. Not Mother Nature in a bad mood. This is a spectacular display of God's immense power. And when he puts his power on display, it's never without reason. There's a purpose. And we may not always understand what that purpose is, but we know it's not random. And we know that weather is sent to cause us to respond to God in humility, awe, and repentance. Okay. So anyway, I mean, take from what that take from that what you will. I'd love to have Kirk Cameron on this podcast if he wants to kind of explain that a little bit clearer to people that maybe aren't going to church and don't understand the terminology. And I want to get into specifics. I'd love to get him on to get into specifics about it. But <clears throat> if he's suggesting what a lot of people have suggested he's suggesting, basically he's saying that these hurricanes are punishment, the gods punishing people 
for uh, doing bad things or being bad people. I guess he, he must think that Texas and Florida are the baddest of the bad and California are the baddest of the bad with the fires they've been, they've been having. <clears throat> I mean, Florida does do some cray-cray things. Have you ever seen their used car salesman commercials in Florida? Good God. Welcome to VIP Auto Group, where we work hard to make your auto dreams come true and where you always save more money. Florida is cray-cray, but do they deserve to be massively blown to smithereens by a hurricane? No, I don't think so. Here's the deal. If this was the case, Kirk Cameron, wouldn't he have hit South Carolina or wherever those um, Nazi skinhead protests were going on? That's, I mean, that's pretty bad. That's pretty low. I mean, that's as low as, as low, as low as low, low as low goes. Why didn't the hurricane hit there? Why didn't they have mass destruction there? Uh, you know, so that's my question for Kirk Cameron is if God is so specific that he's having hurricanes to punish people, then why does he, why doesn't he have specific target places that he hits specifically like the KKK, uh, 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 where the KKK meets or where ISIS meets? That's my thing. If, if God's doing it, if it's that specific, why isn't he having some specific, like, detailed, like, targets where he hits ISIS and hits the Nazi uh, hangouts and the KKK hangouts? I mean, that's my question. Uh, the Kardashians' uh, uh, mansion. Well, that wasn't nice, but I had kind of throw, 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 throw that in there. But I'm serious. If, if it's that specific, Kirk Cameron... On the other end of the spectrum, you've got these people that are saying that these are weaponized weather attacks. You know, they were talking about climate change yesterday, and now we're learning that scientists and researchers are looking at how to change the weather on purpose. That's right. Lasers now could one day manipulate rain and lightning. CBS This Morning contributor Michio Kaku is a physics professor at City College of New York. Professor, nice to see you. Extraordinary seeing Al Gore and Bill Clinton there together with Charlie, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, they did not get into this discussion, no. though. <laughs> but it is fascinating. I mean, lasers, really, to change the weather? My friends, thanks for tuning in. In this video, I'm going to show you some proof that Hurricane Irma and Jose are basically man-made with this technology that I'm about to show you. We're looking at NASA Worldview. Thank you very much, NASA, for providing us with these 24-hour images of planet Earth. Uh, this is the most current, September 8th, which is today, 2017, NASA Worldview. So this is not Photoshop. I'm not making anything up. Over here, just want to show you. Does this look normal to you? Uh, basically, these are frequency weapons so to speak or weather modification technology off the west coast of africa on these islands one island is funchal the other one is santa cruz tenerife and you can see so you can see this tiny little island and you see all these spindles coming out of it this is not normal so there's people that say that the weather was manufactured by man if so who's doing it and why What's their purpose? What's their reason behind it? Why didn't they target Kirk Cameron specifically? No, just seriously kid, kidding. Then you have someone like Jennifer Lawrence, J-Law, who I love Jennifer Lawrence. When the director was asked about the film, why it was so dark, he said it's a mad time to be alive. 
And there's certainly a sort of end of days feeling about it. There are many people in America who would say, you know, perhaps it's truer there at the moment than anywhere else. I mean, what are your thoughts about the changes that would happen in your own country over the last year or so? It's scary. Um, you know, it's this new language that's forming. It's, I, I don't even recognize it. I, it's, um, it's also scary to know it's been proven through science that human activity, uh, that climate change is due to human activity, and we continue to ignore it. And the only voice that we really have is through voting. Um, so and you have voted. At a, and we voted, country. and it was really startling. Um, you know, you're watching these hurricanes now, and it's really, it's hard, especially while promoting this movie, not to, not to feel Mother Nature's rage, or wrath. And it's not just about climate change, though, is it, in America? I mean, it's, it seems to be a time of huge division. Yeah, it's it's really polarizing and. So there you have that. Again, you can read between the lines. Maybe she didn't mean what people suggested that she was saying. A lot of people suggested that Jennifer Lawrence was saying the hurricanes were caused as a wrath for the Trump election. Okay, same thing with the Kirk Cameron deal. Are we blowing these out of proportion? If we're not, though, I'll play devil's advocate on both of these situations. If we're not playing devil's advocate, or sorry, if we are playing devil's advocate, and we and they did mean what people said they were meaning that Kirk Cameron was saying it was God's punishment for us being bad people in Florida and Texas and has he ever had our barbecue would he would he think that we deserved it if he had our barbecue Kirk come on and then Jennifer Lawrence on the other end of the spectrum saying that she believes if it's true that's what she meant that the hurricanes are punishment for the Trump election, well then, I guarantee you there's a huge amount of Clinton and Bernie Sanders supporters in both Florida and California. So why are they being punished? Why aren't these targeted specifically towards the people that deserve it, the people that voted for Trump? I just I just don't think... Well, we well, Here's the issue I have, and here's my thought on thoughts and advice. We take tragedy like natural disaster and... We make it. We make it a thing. We make it another thing to divide us and to battle on what caused it, instead of trying to find a solution to the problem and the source of the problem. And and Republicans and Democrats, both of you, this is what pisses me off. You take something, and you you just constantly play a tug of war game with it. Instead of trying to come together and and find a solution, you're like a couple of babies that point to the other person, blaming the other person for all our world's problems. Meanwhile, things like levees not being secured, um, infrastructure not being fixed, because you're in a constant decades-long battle over who's the better of the, of the two, and who's, who's wrong and who's right, and who's wrong and who's right. Eh, make them stop. Eh, make them stop. Meanwhile, we're getting, we don't get progress. We get tug-of-war. So every eight years when we, we, we switch the pendulum to the other side, the other person tries to reverse everything the other person did. And then vice versa. It's just a pendulum going back and forth. Meanwhile, no, are we really fixing major problems like securing levees in coastal areas, 
to protect cities like Houston and New Orleans? Are we, are we worried about infrastructure? I mean, we talk about it. We use it as a negotiating piece during elections, but do we ever really take care of it? No, because there's this big tug of war, a bunch of rich babies playing a tug of war game, and then we're just cheering along for whatever team that we're, we're in the corner of. And every eight years, your team wins, and then the next eight years, the other team wins, and it's just back and forth. Meanwhile, hurricanes. So the Democrats say, oh, it's the environment. It's global warming. You know what? You're probably right. There's science to prove that you are right. And then the Republicans say, oh, well, slowly, in very small portions, they agree with a little bit of that, but they blame the Democrats for being hypocrites. People like Al Gore, who say, we need to cut back on certain things. We need to conserve. We need to stop driving gasoline cars and this and this. While meanwhile, he lives in a mansion, probably, that runs on lots of electricity. And he zips around the country and the world in a, in a fuel jet plane. And meanwhile, he's telling us that we need to sacrifice. Is he sacrificing? And that's the thing the Republicans will say to the Democrats is that they're hypocrites. Well, you know what? You're probably right, too, on that. Many of them are. But that's not solving the problem. And then there's the climate deniers, and that's one thing. But then they say, okay, the weather problems is just about the cycle that we're going through. We're going through a weird weather cycle. Okay, so what we have to do is, what do we agree on? The hurricanes and natural disasters suck. And they cost a lot of money after they happen. We don't agree what causes them. But what do we agree on? Hurricanes suck. Don't we? Don't we all agree on that? Whether we're independent or Republican or Democrat, or whether we're Jennifer Lawrence or whether we're Kirk Cameron, weather sucks. The weather sucks. That weather sucks, okay? So how do we fix that problem that we agree on? Do we need to come up with a, uh, like Reagan wanted to do a Star Wars plan in the 80s as a self-defense initiative for the United States, and it, got, it fell through, but there was technology back in the 80s to put up like a, a force field or a shield to protect us from being bombed. So why couldn't that be created for hurricanes? That was something that would be like almost like a, 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 a force field around Florida, around the Gulf Coast, that could be put up whenever a hurricane's about to hit the coast. That's the stuff we need to be focusing our energy on, is self-defense against natural disasters. Okay, we can't agree on what causes it, but we can agree that there's probably research and technology that could stop it. Would it cost a lot of money? Fuck yes. But so do all the wars, so does all the military. That is there supposedly for self-defense, isn't it? Or is it just there to make us feel like we have big dicks? Excuse me while I whip this out. I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm very frustrated and pissed off about how we just play this tug-of-war game and can't take it anymore. <sighs> anyway, that's, that's it for today on, on Thoughts and Advice on the 45th episode of Thunder Pop. Johnny Lightfoot, I can't thank you enough. It's been way too long, but I was glad to have you via the, the, uh, the technology and advancement that we have. I was able to have you here by way of Skype. Uh, it was great to have you here. Congratulations on all the big things you're doing. Uh, it sounds like a really exciting venture with the people over at Magnolia. 
um, stores. And, uh, and yeah, you're playing a, playing a big part in, uh, helping rebuild too. And, uh, people need their, uh, their entertainment. They need their escapism, especially in, in times of, uh, times like these. Oh yeah. So thank you, Johnny. Episode number 45 in the can. Everyone have a great day, month, hour, millisecond, whatever it is, whatever it is you do. If you're in the path of the hurricane, Please evacuate, but I know that's easier said than done. Florida, be safe. Texas, rebuild. Mexico, you're in our thoughts. Um, so, everybody, be safe. We're thinking about you. Love and light. And we'll be back. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. It's all day to day at this point. Later. And Thunderpop is a Hit the Bricks production.